1: Well, maybe we should put the word "controversy" in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature.
0: We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images—they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. Too. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting.
1: This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24 seven streaming daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data and strategy for only $19, whether you're filling out a bracket, betting against a spread. Our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Boots Peterson, Matt humans, JVT and Tim Murray. They have insights on every key team conference and play to watch from the favorites, to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to Vsin through the end of the tournament on April 5th for only $19 at v badness slash Madness. Welcome back in to Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. More NFL coming up we'll get to uh, as well. We'll even take a quick look ahead at some of the lines for Sunday's matchups in the second round uh, as those lines posted late last night after all the games finished. So we'll do that for the end of the show. Of course, I got four more games to breakdown for you on today's slate but helping us do that is our next guest greg hoops peterson joining us here on Vsin. greg good morning welcome and uh, i i hope you got some rest at some point here
3: <laughs> uh, i've just been up i wanted doing the show from 10 p.m to 1 a.m pacific time grab some dinner watch a new movie on hulu and now we're good to go
1: all right well we got three number one seeds <laughs> playing today uh starting with gonzaga uh taking on Uh, The Memphis Tigers here in a game where just like I crunched the numbers and I don't see any advantage statistically that Memphis has in this game, but they do have two probably NBA lottery picks sitting on their roster right now on the floor. The likelihood Memphis can keep this close is what to you?
3: I think that they are going to be able to. I think that it's well north of 50-50. I think that they'll be able to keep up within single digits because you have to take a look at the recent form of Memphis. And ever since February 1st, this is a team that is in the top 15 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. You take a look at them in December and January. They were flat out of train wreck, but that's when they had DeAndre Williams along with Landers Nolley out of the fold. Nolley's a guy that's able to give you 10 points. He's able to throw in there a couple assists He Tyler Harris combined to shoot about 38-39% from 3-4 inch, and then you've got Jalen Duran down low. End. When we've seen Drew Timmy struggle, it's against more physical big men. Even if you wind up going back last year to what they were able to get in Baylor in the national title game, Baylor was willing to get physical with them. You saw that with Mark Williams and Jalen Duran is able to do that. 13 points. He's able to give you right around 8 boards. He gives you multiple shot block shots per contest. So I take a look at this Memphis team. Got to be basing them based on their recent form. And I think that they'll be able to hang in there against a the Gonzaga team that no question they've been very solid. But the one thing Memphis has had a kryptonite with, turning the ball over, Gonzaga, 250, or 275th in all of college basketball, and turnovers forced on a per-possession basis. So that should be able to keep things clean for Memphis.
1: Other big spread from a one seed, Kansas uh, laying 11 and a half against Creighton. Uh, I think there's a fair argument to say Creighton got super lucky in their win over San Diego State to even be in this spot, but I like Creighton's defense here. I'm going to back them today, uh, getting the 11 and a half. Kansas has been a great shooting team all year long, near 50%. I think they're at 48 right now, but you know, this is one of these spots where Creighton sort of survives, advances, and then gets a chance to regroup here and put their defense back on par against a high-level offense.
3: Yep, I'm with you. I'm seeing a lot of 12s out there, and I'm going to be taking a 12 myself. When it comes to this Creighton team, they're going to probably be without Ryan Cookbrenner in this game. He wound up going down in overtime in that game against San Diego State. They're a top shot blocker guy that's able to give you right around seven and a half rebounds per game, but... The uh, game plan for Crane in this one is going to be try to make this game as slow, grimy, and ugly as humanly possible because they're already without Ryan Nembhard. They're not a team that they take great care of the ball, but what they do well is they cut you off from inside the arc. Ninth in the country with regards to two point shooting defense. Kansas is a team that's a high powered offense, top twenty with regards points scored on a per possession basis, and I do like what I've seen out of Remy Martin ever since he's come back from injury. Last three games has been able to score in double figures. Not quite the guy that we wanted seeing saying at Arizona State, but certainly has been solid. But I think that this is a little bit of a correlated play. If you think that this is going to be a high-scoring game that certainly favors Kansas, if you think that this game is going to be slowed down, if you think that this is going to be a low-possession game like I do, I think that the play here is Creighton along with an under. I set this total more around 134.5, 135, because this is not a Creighton team of old. They're in the bottom 75 terms of three-point shooting percentage but with that said they do have a guy in ryan hawkins that's able to shoot 36 percent from distance does a good job giving the team 15 points per contest i think crane's mo in this game gonna be just try to make this game as slow and grimy as possible
1: Yeah, I agree with you on Creighton and, uh, you know, statistically one of the worst teams left in the tournament. They are not a pleasure to watch, not a good aesthetic basketball, to say the (laughs) least. All right. Uh, From from bad basketball to high scoring and good basketball, UNC uh, puts up a huge number against Marquette breezes through the first round. They get they get uh, Baylor coming up here uh, in this matchup with a much tighter number at five and a half. Uh, This is an interesting spot here because UNC all of a sudden quickly is becoming a very popular dog. So big dog or square dog on the Tar Heels?
3: I think that they're a little bit of a square dog here, personally. I want to make him Baylor an eight-point favorite. I want to bring this up for DK Nation. The big thing with Baylor is that they do a tremendous job of being able to guard the three. They're in the top 20 in all of college basketball, and it's a North Carolina team in which their lifeblood is being able to shoot threes. Now, the one thing that North Carolina does well on defense is that they don't allow you to get a second chance if you wind up missing your first shot. They're in the top 10 in all of college basketball in terms of defensive rebound rate. Opponents grab fewer than 20% of their misses for a second chance opportunity with that said they give up a lot of first chance wide open looks so that is going to cost them in this one and you've got a Baylor team that they've actually been in a little bit of better form on offense than this UNC team they've scored 72 plus points in seven out of their last 10 games UNC meanwhile, they've scored 70 points or fewer in five out of their last nine games. So it's a UNC team that they really have been an all-or-nothing offense. The performance that they wound up having against Marquette, their best of the season. Armando Bayco, going to be able to win the battle down low, especially with Jonathan Sean uh the full-leading rebounder for Baylor. But saw Adam Flagler is able to shoot in high 30s from three-point range. I like what I've seen out of James Akinjo as well, because when Baylor's gotten into trouble, it's been because he's turned the ball over quite a bit. UNC out of 358 D1 teams and rode in. An neutral part environments, 355th at being able to generate turnovers. So I like Baylor in this spot laying the five and a half.
1: Greg, one of my favorite plays of the day. I'm going to back the Tennessee Volunteers. I'm going to swallow all six of the points with very little hesitation. Maybe the most complete team in the tournament for my money. Certainly uh, the team playing the best defense in this tournament right now. If the only thing you have against Tennessee is the narrative that Rick Barnes can't get out of the second round of the NCAA tournament, well, you know I don't buy into those narratives right now. I think this team is playing super well, and I think they're on track to make a Final Four.
3: I don't know about a final four, but I'm certainly backing them in this spot. I'm willing to lay the six that I'm seeing right now. I want to make in the line six half at six half. It would probably be the max I'd be willing to lay, but I am willing to lay. You take a look at this Michigan team and they don't do a good job on defense. They're outside the top 200 with regards points a lot on a per possession basis. And Tennessee, are they going to be able to shoot the same way that they did against Longwood? Most likely not. But Devontae Jones being in concussion protocol really puts this Michigan team behind the eight ball and now you're going to be looking at Eli Brooks to try to generate a little bit more offense. And with Caleb Hewson, just has not been the same guy away from Ann Arbor. and rode in neutral court environments, guy that shoots right around 27% from three of nine points per contest in Ann Arbor gives you more like 12.5 points, shoots well over 40% from three, so those home and road splits I think are critical. Tennessee doesn't necessarily have that one guy that's going to give you eight-plus rebounds per game, but Josiah Jordan-James, very good Swiss Army knife guy, nine-and-a-half points, six half boards, gives you a block and a seal per game, just makes winning plays, and this is a Tennessee team in the top 15 in terms of defensive efficiency. I think that they do a good, uh, good job of holding down a Michigan team that's a little bit now thin out there in the backcourt, so I'm with you. I'm going to be laying it here with Tennessee.
1: You know, a number that I I keep looking at and odds makers are clearly making them short because of how many close games they've been in. But Providence laying two-and-a-half against Richmond, a four-seed versus a 12-seed. You don't see numbers this short when you see the seeds that big. But, again, I think people are continuing to undervalue Providence. Uh, their defense showed out amazing in their first-round game. Uh, Richmond sort of Cinderella run through their conference tournament and beating Iowa. I think I think that game said more about Iowa than it did necessarily about Richmond. Look, I think they're a good team, but I think they're going to run into a buzzsaw of a defense today against Providence, who is uh, probably way shorter than this number. Should be about maybe four-and-a-half or five by my math
3: I said it at four and a half personally so we're in agreement on this one Richmond has been able to do a solid job in terms of being able to get to the spot and they do have a pair of big men that I like Greg Golden Taylor Burton they've got good versatility in that Golden gives you three assists per game Burton's able to shoot right around 37 percent from three-point range that said you do have download Nate Watson who's able to give you right around 16 points five boards per game and Noah Horkler 6 minute combo player. It's able to shoot 40% from three-point range. You've had Justin Manaya come on, be able to give you five and a half rebounds per game, and Jared Bynum's three-point shooting has been amazing since the beginning of the month of February. Shooting 45% from three, giving you over 15 points per contest while being able to give you four assists per game with Al Durham back in the fold. This is really a complete Providence team. Has Providence gotten some good breaks to go their way? Absolutely, but don't let the bad breaks or the good breaks fool you. This is a team that they play very solid Basketball. they're very well coached under ed cooley i think that they're going to be able to get the job done late i'm right there with you i'm going to be willing to lay the short number
1: all right here got about 30 seconds left uh, arkansas and new mexico state i'll back arkansas laying the six and a half here i think they're just going to outclass uh this new mexico state team you know they had that first round jitters tough matchup against a very good vermont shooting team i don't think new mexico state shoots as well as vermont does well i know they don't uh and it'll be a much different outcome
3: New Mexico State went 11 of 17 from three-point range in their game against UConn. Overall, for the season prior to that, they were shooting 32.5% from three-point range. Arkansas, top 25 team with regards to defensive efficiency. Just too much speed, too much versatility with regards to guard play. I'm right there with you. I made this number eight, so I'm willing to lay the six-and-a-half. Yeah, uh, Any
1: chance, Stan Peters moves on?
3: I don't think so. I think Murray State just going to do just too good of a job. All their top five scores give you at least a seal per contest. I like Murray State in this spot. All
1: right, Greg Hoops Peterson. Make sure you guys follow on Twitter. Uh, all of his picks, all of his information. Fantastic stuff, Greg. Get some rest. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Will do. Thank you so much, Mark. All right. Uh, just great stuff there uh, from Greg. As always, we come back. My handicap, as you heard some of it there, of the other four remaining games here on uh, the NCA tournament slate today uh, in round two. So we'll get to those coming up next right here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
0: Zigazoo has made me zigzag.
3: This is Point Spread Saturday on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: Game on! Time for the Yingling Pick'em Challenge. Bring the goods during college basketball's biggest tournament. Play for free in eight pools and make winning picks for your share. Or $40,000 in cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Yingling now to join the action. Yingling, logger up and bring the goods. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you so much for starting your Saturday morning with us here on VEASAN and Point Spread Saturday. Just a fantastic start to the NCAA tournament between Thursday and Friday. We round out here today and tomorrow on Point Spread Saturday. And point spread Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Appreciate again you guys joining me today and tomorrow morning. Eight games today on the slate. Already gave you my picks for the top four. I'm going to go through the rest of the four remaining games right now. Uh, coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes, we'll get back to the NFL conversation as, again, players continue to move. Odds continue to shift. We'll discuss that, and I'll run down all my plays before the end of the show today. All right, let's get to uh, the three number four seeds in action today Uh, starting with providence and richmond as we just spoke about with greg hoops peterson providence continues to see these very short numbers and i understand why they've played a ton of close games and any time you make that number bigger than what you're looking at maybe two or three possessions all of a sudden you're going to get everybody backing the dog so they have to keep this number short just because providence has been stuck in these games a lot of people have said that providence is lucky that's fine. That's one way to look at it. I could argue as well that as much as you say they're lucky, that Providence is actually better in these close games than everybody else in America. They've actually learned how not to get you know nervous, how not to get anxious in those tight moments because they have a lot of confidence. They've been in these moments before, and they take advantage of it. Statistically, these two teams have the same offensive numbers, but Providence is much better defense. Uh, they are They have a huge advantage on the boards. And so I think that this number, I made it, as I told Greg, about four and a half, maybe five in this spot. I think you're getting value with Providence again. I think Richmond beating Iowa says more about Iowa than necessarily does about how good Richmond is. Um, you know, again, th- the good thing about Providence and their defense, they were able to control the pace versus a a South Dakota State team and withstood a lot of runs. You know, Providence got out to a lead, and, and South Dakota State kept being able to bring it back in to within like five or six. And guess what? The defense holds, opens it back up to eight or nine. They get down to five or four. Defense holds, they get it back out to eight or nine again. I mean, that's the kind of game that Providence had played for all 40 minutes. You know, Richmond- um, takes care of the basketball. The number fourteen in America and the fewest turnovers, uh, so they, they they're not going to make many mistakes. But again, this is a Providence team that doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, they just have to take care of the de- take care of the basketball because Richmond's top fifty in steals. If they make too many mistakes, obviously going to lead to extra possessions for the Richmond Spiders. And they may be a trendy team to take today. And a lot of people may look at this number and go, "Oh, it's it, it, it's it's so small for a reason." You know, they're going to be close. I just don't see it. I think Providence is the better team. I think they're the better coach team, the more well-seasoned team. Uh, and I think you're getting value on them, and I love Providence today uh, laying the two-and-a-half. Arkansas, number four seed against another number 12 in New Mexico State. Again, another situation here. Arkansas laying six-and-a-half, by the way, a total of 138. But another situation where I think New Mexico State's win says more about UConn and their flaws than necessarily New Mexico State and the things that they do well. You heard how from Greg how well they shot, which is not typical for them on the season. Now, Arkansas struggled in their first-round game against Vermont. This was one of the games that I had keyed on. If you followed me on Twitter, I was talk, talking about Vermont since the beginning of Selection Sunday and how this was a bad matchup for the Razorbacks, and it was. Vermont is an excellent shooting team, uh, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation. New Mexico State does not shoot the ball like Vermont does at all. Um, You know, this is a a team that, that, you know, isn't as good shooting um, as Vermont. And so you're going to see Arkansas be able to take advantage. Both teams are good on the glass. Um, New Mexico State, again, struggles. In the first half of games to score, believe it or not, 247th in American first half points, Arkansas 57th in American first half points. I say that because I think the game script goes out one of two ways uh, and that's Arkansas gets out early uh, and never looks back or uh, it's a situation here where Arkansas has a lead in the first half uh, and the game gets tighter in the second half. But. Again, I I can look at this and go, given that disparity, maybe Arkansas minus three and a half in the first half is also a decent play, given how much you're looking at Arkansas averaging five more points in the first half than New Mexico State does on the year. Um, New Mexico State has problems taking care of the ball. 297th in turnovers. Arkansas 60th in America in steals. That's a bad combination for the Aggies. I think Arkansas is going to overpower them, Um, and if it doesn't happen early, it'll happen late. But over 40 minutes, you'll see the Arkansas team that covered 11 out of 12 in a row this year, um, the one that everybody loved. Yeah, that that team that America seemed to just start to follow because they were great to betters all season long. That team will show back up because they're facing a much inferior opponent. UCLA and St. Mary's, and what will be the most defensive-minded game of the day, uh, an extremely low total. Uh, the Bruins lay in 2.5 and, and 126, the number. These are two top 30 defenses in America. Uh, both allowed just 53 points in their first-round matchup against their opponent. St. Mary's has the edge in shooting. Uh, they have the the edge in uh defense as far as three-point turnover, three-point shots allowed. Um, they're very good on the perimeter. UCLA has an edge on the glass, um, and they are third-fewest in turnovers in America and second-fewest in opponent assists allowed, which means they defend guys. You know, they can lock guys down one-on-one. Uh, and their guard play, Johnny Juzang and and the UCLA backcourt, very, very steady I'm going to take St. Mary's here today for a small play. Um, UCLA is 0-3 in games decided by three points or less. So if they're not blowing a team out or getting blown out, uh, it's going the other way. This is a spot here where St. Mary's defense, I think is what continues to sell me on them. There was a lot of people who were trying to back Indiana against St. Mary's and maybe Indiana was also in a bad spot. Of course they had that play in game. They had the travel problems, but St. Mary's defense is just so stout and that's not to take anything away from UCLA's defense. I think they're incredibly excellent as well. I just look at this St. Mary's team and the way that they're playing right now and think that they are playing a better brand of defensive basketball than UCLA is. Uh, and, and again, despite the fact UCLA struggled with Akron in their first round matchup, um, and that was more of an offensive struggle for them necess- than, than it was necessarily defensive. Um, and that was the game I did not see them struggling with. I thought UCLA would easily be able to roll over Akron. Could it be nerves and everything else in the first round? Or could it be that UCLA offensively is going is not as potent um, as as I would have expected them. And I've been high on the Pac-12 all year long. I kept trying to tell everybody I thought that UCLA, USC, and Arizona were all three uh, Sweet 16-level teams. Obviously, USC gets eliminated yesterday in the first round against Miami. But, you know, again, I think UCLA has that potential. I just don't like the matchup here against St. Mary's. Um, Had it gone the other way and St. Mary's had lost Indiana, I'd be all over UCLA today, um, given, you know, even if they were laying a big number, I think they're just a, a, a team that would slow down Indiana's offense. It's hard to back UCLA's offense for me at this point in time. So I'm going to take the Gales uh, and the two and a half points. And then finally, the one game that's out there that, you know, a lot of people will watch for for fun's sake, but two teams that aren't really household commodities in Murray State, the seven seed against the St. Peter's Peacocks, the 15 seed who upset Kentucky. Um, let's just look at this objectively for what it is. St. Peter's shot 51% from the field against Kentucky. That's not them. They only shoot 42% on the year. The only reason they were in that game is because their offense played so well. St. Peter's defense is fantastic. It's one of the best ones in America. Um, They only allow 62 points per game, number 21 in scoring defense in America. They still didn't slow down. Kentucky got to the 70s in regulation before the game went to overtime. So it's not like Kentucky played a bad offensive game. Kentucky played terrible defensively against a, a St. Peter's team that only averages 65 points a game. They allowed them to shoot 51%. The shots go down. It happens in basketball sometimes, but that's the only reason St. Peter's won that game. I don't want to take anything away from the kids from Jersey City, but still, they're not that team that's going to go out and win a second game in a row. I talked to you about St. Peter's defense. Number 21 in America in scoring defense. Guess what? Murray State, number 24 in scoring defense. They are very, very good as well. I just don't see St. Peter's being able um, to have that kind of shooting game again. If they do, you, it's just a Cinderella magical run. It's Florida Gulf Coast all over again. It's a team that doesn't belong there that ends up playing two of the games of their life, and eventually it's going to run out. But I'm going to back Murray State here and lay the nine. I think this is blowout city set up for them, uh, unless St. Peter's defense holds Murray State to a situation because Murray State has a huge shooting advantage over St. Peter's, a huge one. Unless they hold them to under sixty points or around sixty points in this game, I don't think St. Peter's defense. I just don't. Uh, I think. I think. The, you know, the, the Cinderella story ends. Uh, the clock hits midnight and the glass slipper's left there. Whatever, you know, Cinderella analogy you want to put out there at this point in time. But uh, St. Peter's pulls off an incredible upset win. Uh, one that the school and those, those young athletes will remember forever. But I think it ends here today. I think Murray State easily covers uh, this nine number. This could be a, a, a blowout early on. And in fact, I would also look at Murray State in the first half. They get out early. They may never look back in this game all right coming up next here on point spread saturday we will turn our attention back to the nfl's all of these moves in the league have caused quarterback odds to shift mvp odds to shift we'll discuss that coming up next here on point spread saturday i'm mark zinno thank you for spending your saturday morning with us here on VC, the sports betting network It's Saturday on v
2: the Sports
1: Betting Network. Wendy's Adult Swims, Rick and Morty are teaming up to invite Las Vegas locals and basketball fans to get swifty at the first ever Morty's Mayhem pop-up. This weekend only at the Resorts World East Garden Plaza. The immersive experience brings the show off the screen and onto the strip with never-before-seen animations of Wendy's breakfast characters in the Rick and Morty universe and the return of the elusive. Pickle Rick, Pickle Frosty. Boom, big reveal. While in the Ultimate Universe, fans can also play a life-size game of Plinko, score exclusive swag, and try items from Wendy's delicious menu lineup. Check out Wendy's Morty's Mayhem at Resorts World through Sunday right here in Las Vegas. Welcome back into Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with me on Point Spread Saturday on v Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Take a quick pause from the NCAA tournament games uh, here to get to the NFL. But before the end of the show, I'll run down all of my plays for you. Plus, we'll take a quick look ahead to some of the lines for Sunday's games uh, in the NCAA tournament that have posted and some quick reactions to those numbers. But again, back to the NFL here as the quarterback carousel continues to spin, and we see moves being made all over the place. Let's take a look at some uh, kind of current odds for MVP, but we'll do it in a unique way here as we put pools of of quarterbacks together to win the MVP and look at which one might be the best bet. So we'll bring up the graphic here. Uh, which player would you bet on today in Group A between Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen, all of whom are 7-1, to one, plus 700 to win the NFL MVP. I mean, at this point in time, you have to feel like it's Allen is the guy to bet on. Uh, I, I understand why Mahomes is there, and certainly Aaron Rodgers, even though he's lost Devonte Adams, I don't think that really impacts his MVP uh, issues because or his MVP odds, uh, just because he's so good that it doesn't matter who he's throwing to, he's going to find a way uh, to get the ball in the hands of capable and reliable receivers. Obviously, Mahomes is going to have a a ton of options, but. He's got to stay away from the interception bug. Uh, and until we see him, and, and this version of Patrick Mahomes that's out there, it's a little more careless with the ball, or at least maybe let's just say he's doing the same things, but teams have caught on to his throwing back across the body and forcing them into uncomfortable throwing positions kind of deal. Uh, if they can do that again to him, I don't think he can win the MVP. You're not going to win the MVP with double-digit interceptions. It's just really, really tough because someone's going to have single-digit interceptions uh, and, and still have you know three or four less touchdowns. And for whatever reason, we view interceptions as bad, even though all interceptions are not created equal. Uh, So it's one of those things where if you can't limit the turnovers, it's going to be tough for you to win it. But Josh Allen seems to be the complete package right now. So in this group, I'd look at Allen. uh, And again, the Bills says that one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, locked and reloaded. You saw the moves they've made already this offseason. No reason not to look by way of Bills Mafia and Josh Allen uh, in that group. All right, Group B here at 12 to 1 odds to win the MVP. Just two names there. You're looking at Joe Burrow. And Russell Wilson. Um, strangely enough, neither one of these guys has ever gotten an MVP vote. Well, I only say that's strange because Russell Wilson should have gotten one several times but never has. Uh, this is not either one of these guys I would, I would make a wager on. But if you're asking me to pick one from this group, uh, it's definitely Russell Wilson. Look, Joe Burrow's not going to win the MVP, at least not this year. Joe Burrow is good. Statistically, he's not going to do enough to win the MVP. I, I don't see it at this point in time. Um, Again, we're going to continue to overhype. I don't want to say overhype. That's not the right word. We're going to continue to uh, lift up Joe Burrow because uh, of his personality, because he carried this this upstart Bengals team to the Super Bowl uh, and everything else. Now the t- it's going to be different this year when the target is on your back, when you are all of a sudden the hunted as opposed to the hunter. And that is something that Joe Burrow is going to have to learn to deal with. Uh, the one year he played at LASU, they weren't the hunted that was Alabama. So they were still the underdogs um, and he's good in that role. Let's see how he is in the role where the expectations are there. Uh, and your first bad interception has fans booing you uh, in the middle of your own stadium. Those are the kind of things that happened. Let's see how he handles it. I can't back him at this point in time. Russell Wilson may be in a situation in Denver where he just doesn't do enough. Um, remember, I, look, and, and this is not a slide on Russell Wilson. I, I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I would love him uh, to quarterback my team, the New York Giants. But that's never going to happen. And and so I, I, this isn't a commentary on his play. But remember, Russell Wilson was most effective in Seattle when he had a running game. Russell Wilson's always been more effective with a running game. That doesn't take away his ability to play the position of quarterback, but he's just a lot more dangerous when teams around him have to respect the run. When they don't, you know, Russ has to do a lot more on his own. Um, and, and I think it puts a lot more, uh, weight on him, a lot more pressure on him to be able to perform at a high level. And, and along with that, you know, makes it a little bit tougher for him to put up numbers, um, the way you expect him to. So, uh, it's, it's tough for me to back him as an MVP candidate, because I think the best version of Russell Wilson is where he does less and the version where he does more doesn't always turn out the output in, in terms of wins and everything else that you need for him to be able to get there. So. Uh, I can pass on this group, but I would lean on Russell Wilson. And we get the longer odds now at 22 to one plus 2,200 in group C between Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson is the better quarterback. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the guy that I I think uh, clearly with an MVP under his belt um, brings a lot more to the table uh, is particularly from a running standpoint that would lend to him winning a second MVP. Uh, Dak is going to need a near flawless season. He's going to need a 12 or 13 win season from his team. Uh, he's going to have to clinch a number one or number two seed in the playoffs kind of deal and then have the statistical numbers to back it up. His offense is changing a little bit. Again, No Cooper, what does that look like? Uh, and, and how does he respond? Uh, the, the running game that has been average over the last two years, uh, again, another quarterback that is so much more effective with a running game. And You could say that about a lot of them. You know, again, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a running game. Patrick Mahomes doesn't need a running game. Josh Allen is his own running game. Lamar Jackson is his own running game. But regardless, you know, again, these the, the efficiency with which they perform, I think, is much better with a running game. And I would say that for Dak, that when when the Dallas Cowboys' rushing attack is going well, Dak is a much more efficient uh, and, and better producer of numbers and throw of the football when he has that sort of uh, security blanket, if you will, of a running game. And that's not take away from his talent. I, I like Dak. Uh, I think he, is, he can put up, absolutely can put up huge numbers, and he's done so every single year. He's put up bigger numbers every single year that he's been in the league. So I would expect that trend to continue. The only thing, again, against this group right here, um, there is a tendency that uh, people won't vote for Lamar again unless it's absolutely overwhelming because he already won one. Again, these voters do this thing. Oh, well, he's got one already. Let's let me, I'm going to vote for the other guy, which is again, nonsensical. Uh, these should be blind resume kind of deals. Not, you know, he's already got an MVP versus he doesn't, but nonetheless, um, it, it you know, Jackson at 22 to one probably would where I'd put my money, but it, you know, Dak again, uh, needs a lot for him to go. Right. And then finally the long shots here, um, super long shots at 40 to one to win the NFL MVP. Uh, You're looking at a group of Jalen Hurts of Philadelphia uh, and Derek Carr of Las Vegas. Uh, Hurts would not get my money. Uh, He runs a lot. Philadelphia runs a lot. He doesn't throw enough uh, and produce enough through the air for me to look at him as an MVP candidate. That said, I love Derek Carr, man. Uh, Derek Carr with Devontae Adams. I mean, this. He's going to garner some MVP votes this year. And I, I tweeted that out the minute that Devonte Adams got traded to the Raiders. Derek Carr going to mess around and get himself in the MVP conversation this year. Why shouldn't he? You want to talk about efficient quarterbacks. This is a guy I think he had over 30 touchdowns last year, just four or five interceptions, a quarterback rating in the mid-90s. Um, and this is with an offense that was constantly shifting. Right? He did that with just Henry Ruggs and, and Hunter Renfro at wide receiver. Granted, Darren Waller is great at tight end. But oh, by the way, Darren Waller was hurt for a lot last year. He was thrown to Zay Jones for crying out loud uh, last year after Henry Ruggs got in trouble with the law and everything else with his DUI. So the numbers that he put up last year, and Foster Moreau is his backup tight end. Like, Derek Carr is going to have a phenomenal season. I would love to back Derek Carr at 40 to 1. Uh, to win an MVP. Uh, I think the the numbers are going to be eye popping for him. I think as I've told you guys repeatedly, they continue to undervalue the Raiders and I don't understand why. Maybe because it's the Raiders and they're slightly dysfunctional and there's a lot of of reasons to to go against them uh, because of the perception that they are putting out there. But this is a team that I'm going to continue to back until the numbers tell me otherwise, until my eyes tell me otherwise, because this is a spot here for Derek Carr, when he gets teamed up with his old college teammate, Devontae Adams from Fresno State, those two are going to make magic together. It's going to be a massively big statistical year, I think, for both of those guys. As if Devontae Adams doesn't put up an- enough big statistical numbers, it'll be interesting to see if there's a drop off with Carr compared to Aaron Rodgers. I think that there would be. I think this thing picks up. I think this is an, uh, an Oakland, a Las Vegas team rather that takes a lot more shots down the field than they did before, uh, even with rugs in the lineup when he was, when he was playing and healthy uh, before he got in trouble, you know, he was the guy that they would use to stretch the field. You're going to see a lot of that with Devontae Adams uh, and it's going to open things up for Darren Waller again, underneath across the middle, this entire offense is going to change. Uh, this should be a top five offense in the league when it's all said and done, that should be enough to g- to garner Derek Carr. Some MVP votes. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll look at the lines for the Sunday games in the NCAA tournament, and I'll give you my rundown of all my picks for today as well. That is coming up next here on Point Spread Saturday. Wrapping things up on Visa. These for twenty minutes.
3: This is Point Spread Saturday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: Welcome back to Point Spread Saturday. Look your best and draft your best with Just for Men March Basketball Series. Draft the winning lineup in two free-to-play contests for your shot. At a share of $10,000 in total prizes, head to DraftKings.com slash JFM now to join the action. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. Final segment of the show before we turn it over to the Lombardi line with Mike Lombardi and Patrick Maher. From out in the desert as we look towards Sunday here real briefly at some of the lines that have popped up for the eight games on tomorrow's schedule. And again, I'll be back for point spread Sunday to go over all those games and break them down. But just some quick initial reactions to some of the lines that we are seeing right now. And it looks like Houston Cougars have opened up as a four and a half point favorite over the Illini who have struggled uh, with Chattanooga in a game where, again, I was on Chattanooga yesterday uh, and I think this is a spot where. You know, the Illini uh, against this Houston team that's very good on both ends of the floor. And Houston established an incredible pace last night against UAB. I had the over in that game as well. Um, the Illini are going to have to slow this thing down. Uh, that's the only way I think they're going to be able to hang with them. I'm not, I'm not sure that there is a recipe for the Illini. And again, is, is it Kofi Cockburn taking over the game? Is it Alfonso Plummer making threes for the Illini that they need to be able to do it? But I think it's a slim slim room for error or slim margin for them to be able to sort of fit in a tight window. And it is interesting to note that that line is as big as it is between a four and a five seed and the higher seeded team um, in this case, uh, or, or the higher ranked team, the Illini at the four seed or a dog uh, to the five seed, uh, a number two versus seven matchup between Villanova and Ohio state uh, wildcats laying five, five and a half, depending on uh, where you're shopping at this point in time, that number feels about right. Uh, I think Ohio State, as much as they took advantage of Loyola, uh, and Loyola was awful from the field. They could not shoot at all. And I think that says more about them. This is a spot, to me, where it looks like Ohio State's offense, which was not good against Loyola. Uh, that game, I think they had, both teams didn't even get to 60, if I recall correctly. I have to go back and look at the scores. But nonetheless, I say that because I don't think Ohio State's offense is very good at all. Uh, and I, I am, I am – somebody who is going to fade Ohio state. I wanted to fade them in the first round. Um, They, 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 I don't want to say they were lucky to get past Loyola. Loyola just didn't play the best game. I think Loyola was the better team there uh, and it didn't work out that way on the court. So I'm going to back them and their staunch defense. I'd be shocked if Ohio state gets to 70 in that game. I just don't see it happening. Uh, Michigan state and Duke two blue bloods going up against each other. Duke laying six and a half feels like a short number to me. Um, Duke is a much better team. Michigan State. I don't like Michigan State's offense. I don't like the way they're playing. Uh, it's, it's a spot where I can't really uh, get behind Michigan State. And another team that I wanted to fade in the first round of the tournament. Um, and Duke, you know, didn't really have many issues with Cal State Fullerton didn't cover, but didn't have any any issues with them. So um, we'll see how that game shakes out. But I'd probably lean on Duke in that spot. Wisconsin and Iowa State, Wisconsin laying three. Uh, that's a number I'm more comfortable with 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 uh, Wisconsin certainly wasn't comfortable with them laying seven and a half or eight uh, with uh, Colgate last night. I had Colgate and back them. Uh, Iowa State's offense will they play that well again um, against another good defense for two games in a row? Probably not. I'd lean Wisconsin. I'll have to do a little bit more digging here. Notre Dame and Texas Tech. Uh, I called the Notre Dame upset over Alabama. Uh, had it in brackets. I didn't fill out many. I think I only filled out two this year. But um, Texas Tech. Also another team like Tennessee playing some of the best defense in America right now. Uh, It feels like a big number for Texas Tech. Their offense was on point in that first game uh, Texas Tech played. Um, They absolutely just were were lockstep on the offensive end of the floor. So, you know, again, I, uh, I would lean on. Notre Dame, um, I think they're a very efficient team. Uh, I would certainly look to the under here, and I haven't seen the total yet, but I think this is an under game overall. I I think Notre Dame is good at playing different styles, uh, and and it's a spot here where um, they can play the same styles, Texas Tech, slow and and keep it low scoring. I'd probably look to the under there and necessarily the total one way or another, just kind of spinning it through my head. Uh, Miami and Auburn. Miami, uh, Auburn laying seven and a half. I- I'll take Miami right now. I think Auburn loses the game outright. De- looking at the money line, I'd love to see what that line looks like. Uh, I don't think that they stand a chance. Um, Auburn's been bad on the road, and they're going to face an opponent in Miami that is underrated. Uh, this is a bigger line than, than what I expect. Uh, yeah, I- I'll take Miami. Um, I actually have that in one of the brackets, Miami beating Auburn in round two. I think Auburn is the, other, uh, or the next big seed to fall in this whole thing. Uh, Purdue laying three to Texas. Texas defense Purdue's offense uh, styles make fights. We talked about earlier who wins out there. Uh, I don't like Texas offense. It's a short enough number for me to back Purdue. I can do it there. Arizona laying nine and a half to TCU. Uh, TCU is another team that I kept telling people. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago here on the show that they would surprise some people in the NCAA tournament. I'd lean on TCU covering that big of a number. Uh, I think Arizona wins the game, but I lean on TCU uh, in that spot just because I think that uh, uh they are upstart enough at this point in time where uh, I can trust them to cover this thing. Arizona is too good. Kirk Carissa, as long as he is 100%, I shouldn't say percent, as long as he's healthy enough to play, I don't know if he's going to be 100% with the ankle injury, but uh, it's enough for me to back Arizona to win the game. Just feels like a lot of points uh, against a TCU team that people, I think, again, undervalue. Okay. Uh, those are the games for Sunday. Let me run down a quick list of the games that I have today. Um, starting with two of my favorites here, Tennessee minus six uh, against Michigan. Uh, this is a spot for me where Tennessee's defense is going to be way too much for Michigan's offense, which isn't that good. Uh, I, I look at this, this. Tennessee team and and know that they're playing some of the best basketball in America. The only reason you have to fade Tennessee is Rick Barnes struggling to get out of the second round of the tournament. That's not a narrative I'm buying into Uh, buying into narratives is dangerous, especially in March. So um, I'm going to back Tennessee here. I think they cover this game and win this game easily. Um, You see also uh, Providence minus two and a half. This is way short of a number for the Providence Friars against a Richmond team that them beating, uh, IOS is more about Iowa than anything else. Providence defense is much better. They have an advantage on the boards, um, and Providence keeps getting short numbers because they've played in so many close games. I think that works in their favor. Providence was able to control the pace against a high-scoring, fast-playing team like South, South Dakota State, withstood a lot of runs. Even if Richmond has a couple of runs in them, I trust Ed Cooley and company um, from the Big East to be able to to win this game on a short number there. I have it at two and a half. You see three in certain places jumping early. I I wouldn't shock me to see this line continue to move to the three and a half range. And once you start to get to four, which is where, you know, again, I think four or five is where the number should be. You start to get maybe a little bit of a dangerous spot. Uh, one total I'm playing today: Baylor and UNC. Not going to fight this thing to find a reason why this game should go under. UNC, well, I don't think they're going to shoot as good as they did against Marquette. Again, you're talking about 46% from the field in that game, 37% from three. Both of these high-scoring offenses should get their way today, even though Baylor's defense is good. Um, I, UNC has as an advantage on the glass. They've got an advantage in three-point shooting. And their defense is bad enough that makes me believe that Baylor in this game can get to 75 and do their part. Um, if it ends up 75-70 and Baylor holds UNC to 70 points, I tip my cap to the Baylor Bears defense. Say they they played a fantastic game, and, and that's it. But if UNC can shoot somewhat close to what they did last game, then uh, I don't have any issues. Uh, with the total in this one. I'm not going to try to find a way that this thing is going to go under. Again, UNC's defense is bad enough that Baylor can get to 75. If they get to 80, this thing should easily go over the total. Uh, uh, I mentioned Providence ready, Creighton getting 11 and a half here just feels like too many points for Kansas. A lot of people, we talked about recency bias at the top of the show, will look at Creighton and say they got lucky to get past San Diego State. They're going to get blown out in the second round. That number is big, and it should be. And I get it. But Creighton's defense is really good offensively. Statistically, Creighton is one of the worst teams left in the tournament uh, and they are ugly offensively. And their goal will be to slow this thing down as much as they can. And I think they can do it against Kansas. Uh, Creighton, you know, again, is a team that, that uh, um, went through a little bit of a, a, a different schedule in the big East didn't necessarily play a lot of these high powered teams, but their defense has showed out all year long um, and they're good on the glass They're a good rebounding team. That's enough for me that if Kansas isn't making shots at a high clip, uh, and I'm talking shooting to that normal 48, 49 percent that they've been averaging all year long, if they're in the low 40s and you're giving Creighton extra chances here, uh, I like it. And again, I think this is a spot where Creighton, if they can keep it close in the first half, if they don't get blown out early, um, it'll stay that way for a full 40 minutes. In this game, and so uh, again, uh, too many points for me to back Kansas here in this spot. So I'm going to look at Creighton getting 11 and a half. On to another number four seed, Arkansas, laying six and a half. Against New Mexico State, Arkansas struggles with Vermont, but Vermont is an excellent shooting team. Uh, They're very senior-laden. They're great from three. New Mexico State does not shoot the ball like Vermont does. I think Arkansas now loosens up a little bit. They get through the first-round jitters. They get through the threat of that 13-4 upset that seems to loom large, much like the 12th set. And so uh, Arkansas, I think, wins handily today against New Mexico State. And then finally, I'm going to take St. Mary's getting two-and-a-half against UCLA so those are my plays for today again follow me on Twitter at Mark Zeno for all of my tournament analysis picks and wagers as well thank you so much for joining me here on Point Spread Saturday up next the Lombardi line with Mike Lombardi Patrick Maher be back tomorrow morning for Point Spread Sunday and the rest of the NCAA tournament thanks for joining me have a great day best of luck on all your bets thanks for watching and listening to Visa, the sports betting network